Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. Joining us now from Hong Kong, Nick Holla, the Senior Vice President for International for Impossible Foods. Nick, great to have you on. A big announcement this week. Uh, Impossible Foods now available in stores in Singapore, I would imagine elsewhere as well. First of all, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's been an exciting week for Impossible. We're now in about 200 grocery stores in Asia, first markets outside of the U.S. in grocery um, at Fair Price and Red Mart in Singapore. Uh, the response has been great so far. Um, it's one of the biggest questions our consumers have been asking us is, when can I buy it in a grocery store and take it in my home and cook? Brilliant. And, let and me we're just really jump. excited to let... I was just going okay, to jump go in ahead. there, Nick, and say if anyone isn't on Facebook Live, go on Facebook Live because Nick is showing us the future of media. He's got the Impossible T-shirt <laughs> on, so wonderful branding. I believe you're in Hong Kong, and it's a wonderful Hong Kong backdrop. This is what radio should be. Well done, Nick. I love it. And I just want to say, Nick, um, I myself eat uh, Impossible Burgers regularly now, and I think this is a key point to make. I go to Swenson's, which you know is a popular restaurant chain in Singapore, just for this burger. Full disclosure, I am a vegetarian, but the point is I see so many other people who are clearly meat eaters, and that's completely fine, eating the Impossible Burgers, going to Swenson's just for the Impossible Burger. I mean, before we get into your new stuff, I, I myself am so pleasantly surprised by the rapid popularity of these burgers. What has been your take on how popular and quickly these impossible foods have been taken to heart? Yeah, it all starts with product. Um, it has to taste amazing. When you look at food and why people buy different foods, taste is number one in every single purchase driver. And so we spent the last nine and a half years uh, understanding what actually makes meat from animals taste so good. Why does it transform as you cook? Mm. Then we look in the plant-based world and create new ways to produce this in ways that we can replicate and beat the animal. Our goal is to be more delicious more nutritious, more affordable as we scale, and obviously much, much more sustainable. So it starts with that. And then you work with great restaurants, great restaurants, and they've uh, helped us learn so much about what our product does, how to continue to make it better and better. And, uh, you know, by partnering with like, meat restaurants, it really showed that this is, you know, Impossible Burger is made for meat eaters. We, everybody can enjoy Impossible Burger. It's for everyone. Um, our core target has to appeal to the avid meat lover because that's how we change the environmental system of uh, food production. So about a recent survey actually in the U.S. showed that about 90% of our consumers are meat eaters and 75% of all the meat that's consumed, impossible that's consumed is in direct replacement of meat from an animal. And so that directly goes to our mission. That's what we have to do. But it all starts with an amazing tasting product that you can cook in anything. You can have burgers, dumplings, meatballs, tacos, whatever you cook with ground meat, you can make with impossible. Fantastic. Fantastic. Talking with Nick Halla, who is the vice president for, sorry, senior vice president, excuse me, for International for Impossible Foods based in Hong Kong. Uh, and as I recall, uh, Impossible Foods started in North America. Is that correct? Yeah. So we started the company in the San Francisco Bay Area. Got it. Now, so our founder, mm. uh, our founder is from Stanford, and I, I've been at the company since day one. It's wow. Been, uh, quite the journey. Awesome. And and the the shift that you've had to do from North America, obviously that was a big market to crack first, and then going overseas, uh, coming to Asia. What what have you noticed in terms of how the the plant based foods translate to Asia versus what you've had to do to get them accepted in the U.S. Yeah, so we ended up launching in the U.S. about four years ago um, with David Chang, meat chef in New York City. Uh, in less than two years, we launched our first international market, which is here in Hong Kong, and then you know shortly after in Singapore. 
And we knew we needed to go to the Asian markets very quickly. 44% of global meat is consumed in Asia. So for our sustainable mission and to change this, the way food is produced, um, we knew we had to learn about Asian cuisine, Asian culture, and how you know, all the different cultures throughout Asia. And so one thing that I had noticed right away is in the U.S., it's such a burger-heavy culture mm. and that you can do a big business really just based on you know burgers. In Asia, you have to have everything. It has to work in dumplings, meatballs, samosas, um, anything that you cook with. And Because like in Singapore and Hong Kong, they've been great learning beds because you have a mix of every single global culture here and then the mixes between them with cuisine. And so we've just learned that we have to have a product that's really robust and can get, be cooked anyway. Yeah, and then we continue to make product updates to be able to meet that with the consumers and our chefs here. I just want to pick up on one statistic there to emphasize it. You said 44% of the planet's meat consumption is in Asia alone. Is that right? That is correct and growing. That's astonishing because it ties in nicely with a, a wonderful statistic that I was reading here. Impossible beef, uh, as an alternative, obviously, to ground beef from cows, uses 87% less water. Now, in, you know, in a country like Singapore, where our water resources are essentially liquid gold, that is astonishing. 87% less water, 89% less greenhouse gases, and 96, here's the key point, 96% less land. Now, obviously, in countries like land-scarce Singapore, land-scarce Hong Kong, where you are, that's so critically important. I mean, have you seen in recent years, have you seen people eating the meat for, purely for taste, which is what you want, obviously, but are you seeing a growing consciousness towards sustainable mm. issues, eating this product because it, of its sustainable value as well as its taste? 100%. So when we first launched the product, we would do a brand tracker and look at what the purchase drivers of plant-based meat are. And I'll start with some U.S. data, then come over here, um, just because we do have more U.S. data from like the deeper brand um, studies. Sure. But you'd go to the purchase drivers. Number one is taste. Mm. It has to taste amazing. If it doesn't taste amazing, it doesn't matter. Nutrition is always towards the top and right at the bottom was sustainability. Now, when we do that same survey in the U.S., the third purchase driver is sustainability. And it's completely changed that fast. And we're seeing the same trends here in Hong Kong, same trends in Singapore. Um, you know, consumers want to eat something that they feel good about. It's something that, yeah. like, every time somebody has an Impossible Burger, they're doing something good for the world. And it's a real difference. And it's very empowering to our consumers. Yeah. Uh, we got a couple of packets, a uh, couple of you uh, sent to us yesterday. I, I believe it's the first one is the 340-gram pack meal. Maybe you can hold that up for I us. Will. Uh, so these are, I guess, three or four burgers. Yep. It is there, right? I did, I I did bring it, it in, didn't I? Keep going, keep going. <laughs> the suspense, Glenn. The suspense. It, We're really lions. I think it's you killing see? all of us. Uh, but the, the packet that we have uh, that Neil's holding up now, I believe that's the 340 grams. So that's about $17 Singapore. Uh, for for this pack, that is still a, a, quite a high price point, you know. For most, certainly for most Singaporeans, uh, many of us who are who are who have had Impossible Burgers and love them will go out and pay that. Uh, tell us about the price point, the price differential, because across Asia, th you know, th this would still be seen as a very much a premium product, would it not? Do you have plans to bring that down to a to a lower uh, cost point? One hundred percent. And so we're we're continuing to scale the platform and our production base. If you look at meat from an animal, there's seven, eight hundred billion pounds of meat consumed every year. And so that's that the system is so optimized for nutrition for animals than for us to eat the animal. Mm. And so as you continue to optimize the system, as you're talking about the sustainability metrics, the driver of that and why we're so much better is we're so much more efficient. 
And so we're, if you look at beef as a production technology of taking plants and converting them into meats, beef is a 3% efficient technology. Yeah. So if we go directly to the plants, we're going to be much, much more efficient. Then as we continue to scale our operations, we'll be much more affordable than a cow ever could be. And so this year, earlier this year in our wholesale food service prices, we dropped the prices about 10 to 15%. Now it's just based on the economies of scale. Mm. As we continue to scale up, we'll continue to drop our prices. It is uh, more in like the you know, organic, grass-fed, natural premium segment right now. And it's really important to show consumers that this is an amazing tasting product. First, you know, price is a signifier of that. Um, but as we continue to scale, uh, we will continuously drop prices, and our goal is to be much more affordable than animal meat could ever be. So you're saying if we buy more of these, the price will come down? And that's a that's a good pitch. Exactly. <laughs> you got it. Well, there's, I mean, there's no in my in my from my opinion, there's no question about the taste. They taste no, absolutely not great, and they taste like real burgers. And, and it's important yeah. you say that as a meat eater, as yeah. an American uh, yeah. proud meat eater. From it's very Chicago, important. man, I love me my red meat. There so. you go. I mean, I'm a vegetarian, <laughs> so in a way, I'm an easy sell. But I mean, the key point I wanted to bring up here, Nick, you, we've spoken about sustainability as a key driver, taste being number one. But num, you know, in that top three for me, I'm looking at the package now: 19 grams of protein per serving, zero milligrams of cholesterol and uh, and and what have I got here very small amounts of saturated fat and 100% animal free so that's also a key driver isn't it it's actually healthy maybe you have a i don't know if you have to hand any statistics to show that it is actually healthier than eating regular uh, beef from cows yeah nutrition and health are huge factors to where we need to take the food system our founder is a, a MD, PhD, our head of health and nutrition is an MD, PhD. We look at everything from a nutrition and health lens. And so the product, 19 grams of protein, uh, you know, similar to beef, uh, amino acid balances, same iron content as heme, which is the most bioavailable source of iron. Uh, we put all the micronutrients in people want, and then there's no cholesterol, no hormones, no antibiotics, all the stuff you don't want to get from, you know, animals, less saturated fat, less fat. Um, you know, we can control that and we can continue to get better and better. So... Even you know, the profile you get now, that's going to only continue to get better and better as we continue to learn about overall health you know, globally. You know, we can change our product very quickly where a cow never could. Yeah, Nick, uh, one of our viewers, Ian Chan, is asking, are there any plans to expand to impossible seafood burgers? So anything besides the, uh, the, beet, the beef substitute? A very timely question. Um, earlier this week, we actually did an announcement on the Impossible Investigator Program where we're going to double our R&D staff. And we have prototypes of tons of different products. We actually did a big demonstration of Impossible Ground Pork uh, January at the Consumer Electronics Show, and everyone loved it. Mm -hmm. Our chefs tiered, um, tested the product, and they absolutely loved it. And so we have prototypes of many different types of meats, fish, dairy products. Uh, we did a demo of our um, new, more dairy milk uh, product that can really replicate and outperform cow milk. And so we're going to continue to innovate the platform, and the goal is to be better than anything an animal does for food, anything an animal does for food. If all of that sort of originates in San Francisco, originates in the U.S., when would you expect to see some of those products potentially come to Asia if, in fact, they do make it out of testing? Uh, pretty quickly. And some of them are designed specifically for the Asian markets. 
You look at a, a pork product, pork in the U.S. is not as big of a category, where in a lot of Asian markets, pork is the main staple. Sure. And so that is a product that's very designed for the Asian cuisine and Asian cultures. Nick, you know what I'm fascinated by? The taste element and the research that you guys do. We've spoken to one or two of your colleagues before from Impossible Foods, and I'm right in saying that you found in the plant, uh, whether it was a particular enzyme or a particular something, that triggers the same sensations in the brain that meat does. Is that correct? And I just thought that was absolutely fascinating. Yeah, this is the beauty of the platform. And so when we started building the team, we were all hiring those basic deep researchers to understand the fundamentals of what drove the properties of meat, fish, and dairy foods. So one thing that we learned really quickly is, you know, if you take beef and you put it on a grill, a steak or a burger, you get that explosion of flavors as you cook. And that's driven by this chemistry that happens when you cook. And there's hundreds, thousands of different molecules that are created as you cook. And if you wanted to replicate that one by one, it'd be very complex. But what we learned is there's a protein called myoglobin, or you can think about it as a heme protein, like hemoglobin in your blood, myoglobin in muscle. And we use a protein called leg hemoglobin, where that heme is the same. And so all that exact same flavor chemistry, that explosion of flavors as you cook, happens in Impossible, just like it happens in mm. meat from an animal. That's and that's like that, that craveability comes from that. That and then the fattiness, the richness that you get from meat, too. Yeah. Nick, uh, just to wrap up, I, I believe you also have a cookbook as well. And some people might be saying, well, hey, you know, I like a burger, but I'd like to do something a little bit more interesting with it. Yeah. Uh, you have an impossible cookbook. Is that correct? Yeah. And that's a question from my we wife do. specifically. She said, <laughs> where's the cookbook? <laughs> it's coming. Yep. It's coming, uh, coming soon. We actually launched a cookbook a few months ago in the U.S., uh, we have a lot of our top um, chefs and partners that put their own recipes in of their favorite dishes and cuisines and creations. And I think on our internal um, internal Slack channels, like we see it all the time, uh, different employees posting their recipes they're creating. And so we have some um, employed recipes, some of our chef recipes in the cookbook. Um, it should be in Singapore very soon. Mm -hmm. And so you can order on a, you know several different platforms and it's an amazing compilation of the creations you can do. You know, of course, you can do a lot of stuff even outside of that. I saw in some of the publicity material that you had sent over that some of the recipes will include uh, from Singapore's Andre Sohn of Park Bench Deli and Ricky Lung yep. of Empress, uh, too. So that's kind of a nice uh, local mod uh, there as well to our local chefs. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Completely. And I think that's a, it shows the global platform of Impossible. Like We have chefs all over the world that love cooking with Impossible. And I'll just say finally that I think the products like this give us a little bit of hope in a year when there hasn't been too much of that. It's been a very precious commodity. Anything that gives our planet a fighting chance. Everybody knows the statistic that if the rest of the world consumed in the way that Singapore consumed, we would need four planets to feed the planet. So we need more sustainable products. And products like this, Nick, they have to be the future, don't they? That's right. That's right. And our younger generations are driving this more and more than anything else, too. And so the future is looking very bright. Nick Hollis, Senior Vice President for International for Impossible Foods from Hong Kong. Thanks so much for being with us today. We certainly look forward to seeing uh, all the Impossible products in hundred and over 100 NTUC Fair Price stores across Singapore. Uh, thanks, and we hope to get you on again when you get all this, the seafood burgers uh, coming into Singapore. We want to have you on Sounds again good. and talk about looking those. <laughs> thanks, Nick. <laughs> All right. Take care, guys. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SBH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.